This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Let's give it up for this band, Mr. Zach Knight. Let's go! There are three thoughts that come on your mind when you walk up here. Don't suck. Don't trip. Don't trip. Don't trip. And man, I hope I zipped up my pants. Have y'all ever felt lost? Anybody ever felt lost? I'm going to share a little bit about my journey. I know you hit a little bit. Let me tell y'all how lost I felt. Are we? We're not allowed to cuss up here? Okay. I'm going to try really hard not to cuss about this, Michael. I'm in the army. I should figure out maps, right? I was on the officer side, so like y'all don't judge me for that. But any other veterans in here? Anybody? I saw those two over there. Give a shout out. I also can't sit still, so I apologize. Like I can't. It's it's bad. Um, I wrote down some notes, y'all, about some stuff I want to talk about. It's a lot about my journey. Um, some different aspects of being lost, feeling lost, getting lost. Just got me, y'all. I was like 30 minutes late because of the damn map. Darn map, darn, darn map. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't hear that. It's really interesting to, to hear stories and conversations from different people. I always love listening to other speakers, hearing a little bit about what they have to talk about. And Todd brought up something that's really interesting because it, it's something I've talked about in the past, and he, he touched on it, and I want to dig a little bit deeper into it. There is a, a term that people will rub people the wrong way, and it's something that, for me personally, was a game-changer. And Todd said something about being broken, feeling broken. There's some y'all, some of y'all in here know me. Y'all know I used to describe myself as being very, very broken. When somebody says, hey, you're broken, and when Todd said it, when I say it, how does that make y'all feel? Interactive. Give me some answers. How does it make you feel if somebody were to walk up to you and say, you're broken? I love super glue. Does it have glitter in it, little sparkles? Anybody else? Defeated? Defensive? Rubs you the wrong way, right? It doesn't sit right with some people. It's abrasive. I love being abrasive. Say it one more time. I'm deaf. Military. Inspirational. Transformational. I told you I was deaf. All these things are like aspects. Say it one more time. Right. And that is, that's what I was told, right? Don't use the word broken to describe yourself because it puts you down. It's like self-defeating. Amber over here, she's going to mean mug me this entire conversation because She's the one that has like yelled at me the most. She's like my best friend in the entire world. Sorry, Taylor. She's like my best friend in the entire world. And every time I talk about being broken, she's like, don't say that. You, you will self-defeat. It's so negative, right? For me, being broken was that turning point where as soon as I recognized I was broken, you don't fix what isn't broken, right? Once I recognized several aspects of me were broken, it was actually something that helped me turn the tide in my life. And I wanted to share that journey. 
It's going to be a shortened version of the journey because Michael yells at me when I talk too much. And it's one of those that is a part of the journey that is really difficult for me to discuss because a lot of people talk about vulnerability and wanting to be vulnerable. And they talk about different aspects. And in the military, when I deployed, I went overseas with the Green Berets in 2019 to Afghanistan. About five weeks into Afghanistan, I lost two guys. I was an infantry officer. I planned an operation. And about five minutes into this operation, we noticed something was off. Right? We noticed that there were 200 enemy combatants, not 50. We noticed that they were dug in and not freshly dropped off like we expected. Essentially, we had to go in and take over a village that needed to be taken back for the local Afghanistan populace, right? What we didn't realize was exactly how far they were dug in and how ready for us they were. I ended up losing two guys during this operation, and I can talk about this operation. I can talk about the guilt I had. I can talk about the survivor's guilt, the leader's guilt, the different aspects of things I still carry with me to this day. Or I can talk about the true vulnerability. To me, the true vulnerability is what happened afterwards wasn't the operation. I can talk about that. I can shed tears about that to this day. But to me, the true vulnerability attached to what happened in Afghanistan is what happened to me afterwards. It's not what actually happened in Afghanistan. Afghanistan set the stage for the fallout, right? The aftermath, the things that nobody wants to talk about, because that's where the true vulnerability and the disaster really happened in my life. You fast forward about a year or so about six months later, actually. About six months later, COVID happened. Got back from Afghanistan. Within five days of being back from Afghanistan, I was back on my sofa. The military is great at teaching you how to like, push forward, continue the mission, do that thing. Right? They're really bad at teaching you how to unpack all that. The whole skeletons in the closet thing is a real thing. Put the skeletons in the closet, leave them there, and stop worrying about them. Stop dealing with them. Right? Well, eventually, skeletons come out of the closet. And for me, six months later, when COVID hit, I was excited because I got reactivated. I was back in the military, back doing the military thing. Did a really, really good job with some things in Atlanta that happened. I worked for the CDC. Because of that, I got promoted or was going to get promoted. Um, went down to captain's career course, was going to get promoted to captain. During that time, I found out that I actually had nerve damage in my arm. So I can't feel pretty much half my arm. Um, and I found out during an injury, went down to the push-up, my thumb dislocated, if y'all are queasy, sorry, popped it back into place and everything went numb. And it's still numb. I've had surgery on it, nothing's going to correct it, right? That, you would think, would be like, oh, that's bad. Because at that point, you start the medical process. You're getting kicked out of the military. And you, when you get kicked out of something that you're really passionate about, um, Alex mentioned I was a cop, I was military, the uniform is what made me, right? That was my identity. Right? And how many people, show hands, you are what you do. Think like, I, I identify myself by, I do this, right? You walk into a networking meeting, hey, what do you do? Not who you are, what are you about? How do you see yourself? It's what do you do? And we identify as that thing. So for me, it was always a uniform, the police uniform, the military uniform. I always had that umbrella of a protection, more or less, where I had that to lean on. But... When that injury happened, it was January a year and what, two, three months ago now. When that injury happened, you start losing certain things. You start losing community. You start losing your guys. You start losing the uniform because you don't have a choice in that anymore. So the downward trajectory started, right? Because when you recognize you're getting out of the military and you're starting to lose these different aspects, you have to recognize, like, you have to start dealing with these skeletons because they start crawling. They start crawling out of the closet. 
And in the process of losing myself and my identity as a soldier, I started losing myself more and more. I started recognizing I'd already lost myself years before. So self-identifying as a soldier, not identifying who I am and knowing who I am. Fast forward, went through a bunch of different procedures, had the surgery. The week before the surgery, I found myself on the end of a dock with a pistol in my mouth, ready to say, F this, because I can't cuss, ready to say, F this, I'm done. As a cop, I know exactly how to do it. I know exactly how to not ever be found. Nobody's going to come to my rescue. I'm good. All right? I was about to become a statistic. In the military, you see, you hear it, 22 a day, right? Nobody gives a rat's butt about it, right? That's how we feel, because we're losing everything we knew. I sent one text message, and the response of the text message was a call to the local police department where I was. Hurry up, go find Zach. He's somewhere. He's not in a good spot. Fast forward five hours of running around my living situation. I was in an apartment complex off of Fort Benning. Running around for five hours, hiding from cops. I used to be a cop, now I'm hiding from the cops like a criminal because I didn't have somebody there with me, right? I felt like I didn't have anybody. I felt like I lost my community. Honestly, looking back at it, that is probably what saved my life. Didn't, not the person necessarily being there for me, but the person making a decision that I actually was really pissed off about because I had to hide from the frickin' cops like a criminal. My whole life is all about service and giving to others. So I'm running away from the cops. Fast forward another week. I leave Fort Benning. My time there's up. My course is done. And I move back to Atlanta. I move in with a really good veteran friend of mine. He's a Navy guy. If anybody's related to Navy, I'll leave it alone. I was Army, so Navy. Move in with a Navy buddy of mine. And we were having really deep conversations. He was one of those people that was just there. You know, A lot of people in this room are just there when you need them. Amber all of a sudden showed up in, from Las Vegas in Atlanta. I'm like, why are you on my doorstep? And here's Amber, right? The Robster, he's in Atlanta now. Mike, I mean, there are people in this room that were just there when I needed them. But what I didn't recognize is you have to like reach a hand out for them to know you need them. Right? So I'm having this conversation with my buddy. He's like, you know what, Zach? I think your biggest issue is that you do not love yourself anymore. And I laughed in his face. Like, Bro, I love me some me. <laughs> I love me some me. Straight up. And he's like, no, really. I think you need to go upstairs, look in the mirror, look, your, look yourself in the eyes. And tell you you love yourself. I'm like, too easy. Infantry, I'll swat. I did all this cool stuff. And that'll be easy. I can say three words. What I didn't recognize is those three words, I love you, are the three most prolific words in the English language. They can build an entire empire. They can build a life. They can also destroy lives. And looking myself in the eye and saying, I love you to myself, was literally the most impossible thing I could ever do. I literally started crying, started bawling, went back downstairs. I'm like, bro, I don't love myself. I don't even know who the heck I am anymore. And that was the moment I recognized something was really, truly broken, right? My arm, obviously, is broken with the nerve damage. People kept telling me, you're not broken. It'll be fine. You'll be good. It'll heal. 
It's nerves. No, it won't. Every time I tried to tie my shoe and I couldn't tie my shoe, I love zip-up shoes, right? Every time I couldn't tie my shoe, I'd get mad. I'd get angry. You just freaking lied to me because you said I'd be good. I won't. I can't even tie my freaking shoes anymore, right? I got mad and angry and angry at people that kept saying, you'll be good. They're all healed. Nothing's wrong with you. One day, it kind of finally like snapped. Like, no, I'm broken. Not just here, but up here, right? I'm truly broken. My mind is broken. Once I recognized that, I could fix it. I wasn't going to fix what wasn't broken. So I recognized something was broken. I got into therapy. If y'all aren't in therapy, oh my God, go to therapy. That is amazing. I love it. And during the last year or so, I've gone on a journey of finding myself. Because I truly believe you cannot love yourself until you find yourself. You figure out who the heck you are. For me, it has turned into my podcast has shifted, my community has shifted, my friends have shifted, my family has shifted. For me, I had to go on a journey of finding out who the heck I was and who was going to love me, right? Who am I to love myself? And for me, it became a framework. I'm a process guy. I love a good agenda and a framework. Did I say that out loud? Sorry. <laughs> I love the structure. I crave it. I think people thrive in structure. I created a framework. For those of y'all that weren't in the military, there's a thing called an IFAK. I-F-A-K. It's an individual first aid kit. You carry one on your body. If you get shot, you're expected to take it apart and like patch yourself up, right? And hope somebody comes for you. And that's supposed to, it's like triage. It's supposed to get you to that next point. So I started thinking more about who I am as a person, who I am in business. I had these six businesses. I'm in 150-something countries. I'm like, oh, man, I'm a success. I've made it. And I was freaking miserable, y'all. The more miserable I got, another business started. I know he mentioned a dance competition. No, I don't dance. Don't ask. It's a two-step. It's like a, all right, anybody seen Hitch? Like, that's all I got. It's terrible. But this IFAC became a framework of self-discovery for me. And it stands for Identify. Find, attract, and keep. And it's a branding framework. I started building a business around a business around a coaching framework, if you will, because I had to have a framework. I had to have structure. And the big piece I want to talk to you all about is identifying that I of the IFAC. I have a workbook I've made out of it. I'm going to give it to Margaret. She's going to send it out. By the way, Margaret, I'm going to send you a workbook to send out if people want it. Michael said I could. There's some structure for you. Hey, by the way. <laughs> This framework is something that shifted in my life, and it shifted because as soon as I could figure it out for myself, how can I figure out my mind? Well, I can start helping people more, right? I can't help and love others until I can help and love myself. And that was a big twist for me because I'm all about serving, all about helping and pushing and doing and burying my skeletons back here, right? So identify who you are. And there are several different aspects about identifying who I was so I could fall in love with myself. One of the things that I love about myself, I'm very passionate. I am all in or all out. There is no in-between with me. I'm not a toe-in-the-water type. I'm a cannonball. And one of the things that I took up is piano. I took up the piano because I couldn't feel my hand. I wanted to be able to keep using my hand, right? Anybody play the piano in here? Dear Lord, can you teach me? It is terrible. Man, I can't even play Fairleys or whatever that damn song. It's terrible. But what I learned is, like, for me, I have to hit something head on, right? I want to face my fear. 
for me, fear, the military loves acronyms, IFAC, right? Fear is an acronym. False evidence appearing real. You convince yourself something's real long enough. It appears real, but it's really false. So for me, what I had to learn is like it wasn't, my hand isn't broken. Like I can move it, right? I just had nerve damage. I couldn't feel things. So playing the piano, I feel like that's pretty important to be able to stretch and move and have that dexterity. So I took up the piano. Fell in love with the piano. Fell in love with my morning routine. What I love about, and another aspect that I love, and is why I started poking fun, structure. I love and thrive structure. I love creating structure. I love helping others operate within a framework and within a structure. And there's several aspects of those things. There are four steps in the IFAC model. And then there's four pieces of identifying myself that I really craved. And the first one was, what are you truly passionate about? What makes you happy? If it's in life or in business, what are you, in business especially, what do you refuse to outsource? What are you going to do? For those of y'all that don't know, I'm, I'm an introvert. I, ha I hate being in front of people. I don't hate it. I love y'all. But, like, I'm about to go take a nap right after I get off stage. <laughs> Real talk. I grab a beer on the way up, but I'm going to take a nap right after this. But I would never outsource talking to people. I would never get rid of the capability of getting on stage and connecting with y'all, right? The second piece of identifying who I was were those epiphany stories. What were those pieces of my life that changed and made shifts happen? What I had to recognize was the mission in Afghanistan where I lost Will and Joey, that was not the epiphany story. The epiphany story was fast forward a year later when everything fell apart. And my true shift came when I truly recognized what vulnerability was. Another epiphany story was when I was a police officer and I had a old salty dog, Marine, gross, that was my sergeant standing next to a tree. I was on the SWAT team, so we're like around the house about to serve a warrant, standing next to this giant tree, perfect cover to hide behind or protect yourself behind. My silly self was sitting over here with a tree over there. Pretty. Loved it. And he's like, hey, man, you want to stay alive, get behind the cover. Protect yourself. And I'm like, okay, jack wagon. Cool. Because the way he said it, right? I'm like, whatever. I'm young and dumb. I was 22 at this point. I'm young and dumb. I'm like, whatever. That tree is real cool. I'm going to stand out in the open because it makes sense. Right? It made sense to me at the time. Because of that, I got written up. I got suspended, I got fired from the SWAT team, and then I got sent to a Dale Carnegie course in Atlanta. They had a Dale Carnegie University, so I love the John Maxwell guys, but I'm a Dale Carnegie guy. And I got sent to the Dale Carnegie University so that I could learn leadership, I could understand, I could communicate, public speak. That was a piece of it, right? For me, the epiphany story was not how, he re how I reacted to how this guy was trying to really save my life, but I had to recognize is like Dale Carnegie told me he can't communicate for crap. I can do better about that in my leadership capabilities. So think about these epiphany stories. Think about these things that you love about yourself and you can identify about yourself that make you stand out. What makes you different? That's the third piece. How do you how are you different than people around you? Everybody's different in different capacities, of course. It's a lot of difference, different in different capacities. But recognize how you are different and you stand out in the crowd. I'm bald-bearded and beautiful. Bam. The three Bs. Love it. I told Alex. Ali, sorry. I told Alex, how do you want to be intro? Bald-bearded and beautiful. Leave it at that. I'm good. Obviously, he didn't go with that one. But there are different things that make you stand out in the crowd, right? 
identifying those things are going to help you stay grateful about those things. Every morning, part of my morning routine is to write three things I'm grateful for on the mirror. So that way, every time I go into the restroom, there it is right on the mirror. I'm grateful for these three things. A lot of times, it circles back to the things I'm passionate about. I go to the gym 5 a.m. every morning. I'm in the gym. I'm grateful some mornings that I can lift weight again. Right? I can pick up a dumbbell. There's small things. Man, I have a roof over my head. I live in Atlanta. The Braves don't suck anymore. Like, there's small things that really you can be grateful about, right? And identifying those things are going to help you recognize, this is what I love about myself. And then looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself that you love yourself. Because those three words will absolutely change the outlook on everything you're capable of. I'm going to send that workbook to Margaret. I encourage you all to work through it. Take it on your own time. Figure out how to triage. If you're stuck, if you're feeling lost, nobody's going to do anything until you do something yourself. If you're broken, fix it. Maybe that workbook helps. Maybe it doesn't. And if it doesn't work for you, and if you don't like how it feels to be told you're broken or to recognize maybe something is broken, find that key phrase. Spend this weekend. Think about how you can unleash yourself. Unleash that inner love for yourself change and shift fix what needs to be fixed thank y'all so, you know, that thank you for listening to another episode of the tactical leader podcast if this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.